What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And here on Maroon Friday... The last Maroon Friday of the summer, or I guess the off-season. Next Friday, we'll be wrapping our Maroon as we get ready for our Bulldogs to take on the Lions of southeastern Louisiana. Be the uh, the regular season debut for Coach Zach Arnett. You know, I wrote an article earlier this week uh, that we talked about on the show. With a win, Zach Arnett becomes the seventh consecutive first-year Mississippi State head coach to win his regular season debut. you got to go all the way back to 1979 when Emory Ballard lost to Memphis State down in Jackson. A really rough night in Jackson, as Dave Murray can attest. I was seven. I was seven. Uh, Dave was uh, 57. No, I'm kidding. Uh, all that said, uh, yeah, we're excited. We're ready to go. Got a big show today. Got some things to talk about. Kind of wrap up our camp stuff. Going to have a guest picker on the top ten list. That's right. It's a name you know. Uh, I'll let them surprise you. It's a band that they love, and I, I don't. And uh, we've never done this band. This band has been requested multiple times. And so had a discussion. Going to bring, uh, bring in a relief picker today on the top ten list. So we'll have that for you here in about a half hour. And uh, I can tell you this person is extremely excited, but also a little bit nervous about getting on the mic. But we'll make it through. We may do this from time to time. We'll have a little good time with it. Uh, Since we have been together, Mississippi State has added a football player and lost a football player off the 2023 roster. Ty Jones, a signee out of Bay Springs, Mississippi, has uh, elected to leave the program. He was here this summer, went home, had a lot of tragedy in his life. Not sure what's next for him, but he has elected to go home. He had, uh, you know, three deaths very, very close to him. It's been a very difficult year for him. But even though he has left the program, uh, we hold Ty in the highest of esteem and ask that you pray for he and his family. That's a difficult thing to deal with as a young person. It's a difficult to deal with thing to deal with at any age in life. But uh, certainly when you're beginning your adult life and uh, three of the greatest supporters in your life pass away, it's a very difficult thing. So please remember Ty Jones and his family uh, in the weeks ahead if you are of the praying kind. Now, new Bulldog. Now, we need to measure our expectations. Okay, let me go ahead and just kind of lay it out there for you right now. Jamari Brown from Purdue, former starting corner for the Bulldogs, elected to go into the portal last week. He is already on campus here at Mississippi State attending classes. Uh, He has gone through two days of the acclimatization period that the NCAA requires. He'll have five more days of that. So, legally, he could dress next week. We don't expect him to dress, but if he does dress, he won't play. 
If he does play, it won't be anything significant. So I, I say that because it's important to understand anytime that you add a Power 5 transfer, it's, it's a good deal. But we don't expect him to be a difference maker. Now, uh, Jamari began his career at the University of Kentucky and then transferred to Purdue where he ultimately became a starter. He is a product of Sunrise, Florida. Ryan Walters, who was a candidate for the defensive coordinator job here when Leach was first hired. Uh, I think Joe actually took a swing at him too, if memory serves me correct. But Ryan Walters, obviously a guy that uh, has done a really good job and is now a head coach at Purdue. Well, that staff obviously looking to, uh, you know, shake things up a little bit, put their own fingerprints on the program. And Jamari uh, ultimately was demoted to a second-team guy, comes through the spring, uh, graduated back in December, goes through spring practice at Purdue, goes through off-season conditioning, uh, gets into the um, competition of fall camp, a preseason camp, however you choose to describe it, didn't win the job, is elected to transfer. And uh, what I'm told is, is he just simply wants a fresh start. You know, if he's going to uh, be a second teamer somewhere, he just wants to have an opportunity to be somewhere else. And so uh, this, no matter what his reasoning is, he has left that program and joined ours. So we welcome him with open arms. And uh, I'm going to work through a couple things here with you too. He, um, again, Three picks last year as a starter. Three. A couple of uh, – three pass deflections as well. But uh, began his college career in 2019 at the University of Kentucky. Uh, 25 tackles on the year. Played in 2020 and just had one tackle. Uh, haven't done the research to find out why he didn't play more. Don't know. 2021, his best year as a collegiate player from a tackling standpoint. 32 total tackles. 25 of those solo stops. Seven personnel stops as an assist also had a sack and two forced fumbles seven pass deflections so a really good year so he entered last year expecting to be a dude he was even though his production did dip a little bit just 15 tackles you know basically half of his uh, sophomore year's production and uh, the, the three picks we talked about and uh, three pass deflections so he did make some plays against some big time teams and due to the late merger here it's important to understand yes corner and safety are some of the easier positions to train there are just a lot of moving parts to this and the depth chart for the most part is essentially set so the chances of him being a difference maker for us are really not very significant that said when you got a guy with his size and his experience he becomes available you have a scholarship left we did we took advantage of it we offered him the opportunity at the very least, he can be a special teams guy and a depth guy somewhere in the secondary. Uh, so we kind of look forward to that and uh, eager to get our first look at him. And the first time we'll get to see him will be against Southeastern in the event that he plays at all. Uh, I think at some point he will. Obviously, we didn't sign him to sit. But to expect him to contribute early is probably asking a bit too much. But uh, a depth piece for sure uh, as we kind of move forward. Uh, I like the get. I mean, obviously, you know, you could – you could put a walk-on on scholarship. You could. We didn't. We had a chance to add a player with four years of experience to our program. We took advantage of that, and now here we are. Uh, so we'll see how things look as we kind of move forward. But, uh, again, a good get for Mississippi State. But, again, don't expect him to come in 
and challenge for a starting position anytime soon. I mean, of course, uh, you know, we've been working with the Carlos Nicholson, Asias Furge, uh, Bryce Pollock, some of these younger guys uh, to get them ready, Kamari Rogers. So there's a lot of room at corner for perhaps some reserve snaps, but there's not a lot of room on the two deep. And even though he's got this experience, he's still new to us. And so learning our scheme, learning our terminology, our culture, our way of life, he is going to have to be a quick study if we expect to see any significant snaps from him this year. Uh, but it, was, it did kind of come out of nowhere. It happened very, very quickly. But, again, he has uh, been in – let's see here. Today is Friday. So he has been in class now for three days. Three days. And, uh, again, working through that acclimatization period. It's a seven-day requirement – uh, before he can put the pads on and be a full participant in practice. So, uh, kind of out of nowhere, again, hey, we like these kinds of surprises. We hate what happened with Ty Jones, but, um, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, life is what it is. But I uh, wanted to go ahead and talk to you about Jamari, just kind of let you know, again, don't expect him to come in right away and push for significant snaps. That may happen middle of the year. I don't know. And he may be a guy we need to make a play later in the year. And to be quite honest with you, I'd much prefer to have that guy with four years of college experience over the walk-on. That's just you know, my estimation. Not that we hadn't had some good walk-ons over the years, but the reality of it is when you have a chance to improve depth of positions of need, because he is a guy that could play at safety if we need him to, and uh, with his size and length, that may be the way to go. But either way, he's a Bulldog now. So celebrate that, and we'll look forward to, uh, to seeing him in the Maroon and White very, very soon. Let's take this time to thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. There's not a better place to break bread than Bulldog Burger Company. I'll just say it for what it is. I know what I'm going to get there, the consistency with service, with atmosphere, with quality of meal, pricing, quantities, the best portions in town, and uh, currently in three towns. And you never know when the Bulldog Burger Company empire is going to expand, right? That's a big part of this. You never know what's going to happen next. Maybe coming to your town. How about that? Wouldn't that be cool? Currently in uh, Tupelo on Gloucester Street, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area, and, of course, the uh, flagship University Drive here in Stark Vegas. Go by, have the spring rolls as your appetizer. It'll make you better looking. Get that great restaurant-quality hamburger. Have an adult beverage. Have a chocolate shake. Whatever you've got a yearning for, they have something to fill that. Bulldog Burger Company, a place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right. Guys, the hay is in the barn. You know, a week from the day, if we mentioned it'll be officially Maroon Friday, the first Maroon Friday of football season. Monday, we're going to get into our regular game week preparations. Monday, traditionally, has been a day off. Has been for years. Because we play the game Saturday, do cleanup on Sunday, give everybody their NCAA mandated day off on Monday. So this year, that's not going to be the case. We're going to get Sunday off. And so Monday, which means we'll be able to interview players. And so what's going to happen Monday, a week from, uh, let's see, it's not a week, it's uh, three days from now. Monday at noon, we're going to interview Zach Arnett. And then that evening after practice, we'll have a chance to talk to coordinators. So we'll have a chance to kind of, you know, I like to get the recap post-game on Saturday. That's how I do it. I don't want to spend all day on uh, the Monday press conference talking about 
last weekend's game other than maybe just kind of the review of the film, right? I mean, let's go ahead and start previewing because, I mean, how many questions can we ask about southeastern Louisiana, right? Uh, well, Coach, you know, how do you look health-wise? What did you learn from the ball game? That's kind of it, right? Then we start talking about the University of Arizona. So Monday, we'll meet with Arnett. <clears throat> we'll have full coverage over jeanspage.com. A uh, few things we expect to see. You know, I don't know how Zach is going to be with injuries. I don't think he's going to be very forthright with it, to be quite honest with you, though. I mean, he is from the Mike Leach tree, and uh, Leach every single week would tell us everybody's available, everybody's healthy, everybody's doing great. Mike told me on more than one occasion one of the reasons he didn't like talking about injuries, number one, is he thought it was basically an excuse. Hey, we're getting ready to go play a football game. We've got to figure out who can go win that game for us, right? And so he didn't like making excuses. He felt the coaches that got up there and talked about all these injuries were laying the groundwork to excuse a later loss. Second thing is, is uh, Leach did not want to tip off the opponent. He didn't want to let them think, hey, this guy may not play. This guy is not going to play. Or this guy's a little bit banged up. Well, because then all of a sudden, when you hear that information as the opposing defense, you think, hey, we need to attack this guy. And if you're the opposing offense, well, hey, if this uh, defensive end's a little bit fragile, we'll just, you know, alter our game plan and run right at him. That's why Leach didn't like talking about injuries. And uh, I'll never understand these people that, that feel like this right to know. It's my right to know that this player is injured. Why would we ever want to say anything at a press conference to give our opponents an advantage? You know what I'm saying? It's one thing if a guy's out for the year. I get that, right? Because, you know, we see them. You know, we see them walking around the complex, and they'll be uh, in a cast or in a, on, a, on a, uh, a cart or on crutches. But there are a lot of these injuries, and we had some uh, in camp this year. And, you know, like the day that it happens and, you know, everybody's, like, panicked, two days later they're right back out there, you know. And so it's un- – understand that, like, you know, even though – we are caretakers in the program. We don't need to know who's injured and how bad they're injured. I know we want to know, right, because we want the assurance of saying, hey, if, if this guy's banged up and he's playing for us, he must be good enough to go. So it gives you some confidence. But at the end of the day, I mean, the feelings of the fans when it comes to somebody else's health, that's going to be at the bottom of the list, just so you know. That's just how it's going to be. But I'm eager to see how Zach is going to be. Is Zach going to tell us a guy's out for the year? Is Zach going to tell us a guy's going to miss a month? I mean, we had to deal with Jaden Cromedy last year, and one of our posters, give him credit, uh, you know, we were hearing privately maybe a couple of weeks, and then he was hearing, nah, it's probably going to be Alabama. Ended up being the next week. I mean, Jaden Cromedy only played in a handful of games last year, which is one of the reasons that he's back. But I'm curious to see how we're going to handle that. I suspect it'll be fairly guarded. And it probably should be. It's also interesting, too. Uh... Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. 
Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Many of you have uh, looked around and you see the uh, the final pro- uh, preseason prognostications. And uh, I have seen several people, several, maybe a handful, that are forecasting a losing season for Mississippi State. Now, one of the tenets of the Boneyard experience that may be kind of the lexicon of our life together is that anybody can make a list. And most people don't do their research when making said list. I don't know how anybody can look at this team and say, ah, that's a losing team. I saw one prognosticator say we're going to go winless in the SEC. 0-8. And then I'll read, they'll say, well, you know, it's a tougher schedule this year. Really? It's a tougher schedule. We get eight home games for the first time in school history and four winnable road games, and that's a tougher schedule. This is probably the most favorable schedule that we have had in a generation. And he said, but Steve, it's just your opinion. Well, it's not just my opinion. My opinion is based on data. 
you look at his non-conference schedule, I mean, let's let's kind of put it for what it is. I mean, Arizona is a Power 5 team, but it's certainly capable of coming here and playing a game with us. I mean, we're not too good to play those guys. But Southern Miss is the most accomplished team in the non-conference we're going to play. I mean, Southeastern, all due respect to them, they're an FCS team. If we can't go out there and handle an FCS team and then uh, pull the starters midway through the third quarter, uh, maybe all these prognostications are correct. They're not, but it shouldn't be a battle with the Lions. Arizona went 5-7 and seven last year. And, yes, they had some competitive games down the stretch, but they got to come up here and deal with us in this humidity and an offense that they're going to not get a lot of tape on because what we're going to run my, uh, against Southeastern is going to be largely vanilla. But Southern Miss, those guys are going to get the benefit you know, of a full season of tape. Not to mention, they know what it means on the recruiting path. And the reality of it is they're not going to beat State or Ole Miss for a kid that we really want, right? I mean, that's the truth. But when you're competing against Memphis and UAB and South Alabama and say, hey, you know, we, we beat Mississippi State last year, they're going to give us their best effort. And, of course, the early in the year we'll play Western Michigan, who also went 5-7 and seven last year. Picked in the bottom half of their league again. And so you look at those four and you say, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, State should get those, right? we got to get all four of them to get to where we want to go. But, you know, the reality of it is is you got a couple of games that should be lifers. you got a couple of other ones that you're going to have to strap it up and play, you know, but you should be able to win those games. And you start running through the schedule, and you start thinking to yourself, um, like I, all these people that are – I think a and is going to be better too. But guys, they went 5-7 and seven last year. So how can you say, okay, well, this 5-7 and seven team is going to be four to five games better this year? And look at that schedule. Doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like, well, you know, Mississippi State's got a first-year head coach. Yeah, even though we basically returned everybody on defense. It's a guy that knows his team, his personnel. We, we have made some changes on offense. There'll be some growing pains there. But then you go back and look at the rest of the West, and just about everybody's made a change at offensive coordinator. Arkansas has. Auburn has. Alabama has. I think LSU and Ole Miss are the only two that didn't. So five of the seven teams in the West are changing offensive coordinators. We're like, well, okay, so we're going to indict Mississippi State for that, but we're going to give Auburn a pass. Auburn also, uh, you know, didn't go to ball game last year. You know, when you start working through this stuff and you begin to realize, you know, it's like where, where does this confidence come from? And I agree with Josh Pate, who has said multiple times there is a helmet sticker bias against Mississippi State. I read Dennis Dodd's piece a couple days ago at CBS. Dennis says, I don't know why everybody's sleeping on Mississippi State. This is a veteran team with a very good schedule, a hard-nosed coach. There are a few people out there singing our praises, and there's some other people out there, and, and to, you know, to maybe make an excuse for them, many of them have to pick multiple conferences, right? I'm looking forward to saving all these receipts and being able to talk about it in hindsight. I remember, I, again, I, I go back to 2021. I told you guys then I thought we'd be a six, maybe a seven-win team. We were. We didn't win the bowl game. We didn't win the egg ball. But we were a bowl-eligible team. We made some things happen. Last year, I told you we'd be an eight and four. I thought eight and four was probably the over-under. We ended up eight and four. Win the bowl game. Telling you, I think we're at least that good this year. And with an upset somewhere along the way, we could be a 9 and 3 team. We got to win the games we're supposed to. But there's a reason we play the games. I remember talking to Mike Bonner years ago. Uh, Mike, a good guy, 
He said, man, it's like preseason lists don't mean anything. And I think that that's kind of what we've come to expect now. Because with so much parity in college football and the fact that the uh, – especially that was even before the transfer portal, you know, right? But now that, you know, guys can move around and you can balance your roster so much quickly, it's, you know, it's difficult to project and predict, you know, how things are going to look. But I'll tell you, I like what I've seen from our team in camp. And, we, and again, it's been limited. It wasn't like with Leach. With Le- Leach didn't care. You go up there and just watch. Until you got into mock week, you could stay the whole practice. I mean, and nobody did. I think I, I, think I was a rare exception. I'd go to practice and sweat and watch and everything else. And, I, and I'd love to be able to go out there and watch a full practice or two. And we, we used to go to scrimmages, and you know, we can't do that now, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I don't like that aspect of it. I like being to have a little more access to practice. But I also understand, too, when you're installing a new offense and you've got a first-year head coach, you know, hey, let me kind of get my arms around this thing a little bit before I open it up to the media. Because we were all sitting there two years ago when Jordan Davis got injured towards ACL. We were all there. Got a chance to see it. We, you, you can't keep a lid on that when the rest of the media is there. And I think at times that plays into this thing. And people say, well, it's not just us. Or it is just us. Or why are we like this? Guys, when uh, I lived in Baton Rouge and I used to help Randy Rosetta cover LSU, we'd go to practice and uh, you basically got a chance to walk through. That's basically all you got. They had an observation period. You walk in that, uh, that wooden fence there, they open the gate for you, and you walk down one sideline, you walk up the other, you go around that practice field and you could see who is uh, absent, who is in a protective jersey, and then that's it. That's it. So it's not something germane to Mississippi State. Uh, do I do wish things were a little more open, uh, especially before we kind of get into the grind. But uh, I'll tell you, what we have seen has been good. We hadn't seen enough. You know, we have very small sample size. But, you know, I think we feel good. And, again, the questions that we've had all throughout the year kind of remain. You know, what will the safeties look like? And I don't know that we get a good barometer on that until we play Arizona because Arizona's got some wide receivers and get out there and kind of stretch the field a little bit. So I don't think the guys at Southeastern will stress the safeties much, but the guys at Arizona, I think, will. We'll have a chance to, uh, to kind of fine-tune some things against a Power 5 opponent before we get into conference play. I think we feel better than ever about the running back room, and that was the big concern, you know, uh, after po- in postseason when Dylan Johnson leaving. We're like, well, number one, we love Dylan Johnson. We didn't agree with his tweet, but we do love Dylan Johnson, right? We wanted to get him back. We were hoping he would return. He didn't. But I, I would submit to you, we're deeper now, even without Dylan. And that's not a shot at Dylan. I love that kid. I do. I wish him the best. Hope he has a great year at Washington. I do. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, you go out and you work the portal and you find try to get a replacement for him. We didn't just commit one slot to that. We kind of did it by committee. And little did we know that Seth Davis was going to come in here and have the preseason that he's had. So, from a depth standpoint and the fact that we're going to run the football more, you know, we've got the pieces to make that a, a, a good running game. Now, Zach Arnett has said multiple times, you know, we got, the ball handling's got to get better. We put some balls on the ground with the running back's room, and, and you, Woody doesn't fumble. If I remember correctly, when Woody fumbled that ball at Memphis, that was the only fumble he had all year, two years ago. Yeah. This guy just doesn't put it on the ground. You know, so you know it's some of those younger guys, whatever, guys that are kind of getting acclimated to SEC play. You look at the offensive line. You know, we had a discussion about Percy Lewis earlier today on the uh, jeanspage.com message boards, and rather than just kind of shoot from the hip, I called Mason Miller. Hey, why didn't we play him more last year? 
You know, he played 68 snaps on the offensive lines, 67 on special teams. And you remember Dollar Bill got hurt against Bowling Green. We put Percy in the ball game, and they kind of went right around him. You know, he just wasn't ready. You know, people forget Percy Lewis is a massive human being. But he played defensive line until he got to Mississippi Gulf Coast. So basically he's had one year as an offensive lineman. Last year was really the first year that he got really intense coaching, and that's not a shot at the guys at Perk by any stretch. You know, it's a different dynamic. I mean, the coaching in the SEC should be better, right? I mean, obviously. Playing the best brand of athlete in the country. But when you start working through here and you start thinking, okay, we bring all these guys back, and the right side of the line has been pretty much settled. You know, Cole Smith obviously at center, LaSoya at right guard, Cam Jones, who would, you know, again, wanted to give Jim Moorhead and those guys a lot of credit. You know, we decided to take him late, and he's been kind of a Swiss Army knife for us. But you look at the left side, you got three guys over there kind of competing for those two spots, you know, with Percy, uh, Dollar, and Nick Jones, and they've all played – both spots, so that you kind of develop some versatility there. But can you imagine late in the ball game, we're trying to salt this thing away, and you got Percy Lewis and Dollar Bill Johnson on the left side? That's a lot of meat, man. That's a lot of helmet getting down south on you. You know, so I, I feel good about where we are with the line. Albert Reese obviously is a guy that's played some snaps for us as well, uh, competing over there at right tackle. And so, you know, again, you got a lot of guys with some SEC snaps under their belt. It's just a matter of just kind of finding the right combinations. So I think we're where we want to be. Uh, but I, I'm ready to go play a ball game. But the, the thing that I will tell you, too, is let's not rush this. You know, because what's going to happen, like, after week one, and, and you'll see it on social media and you'll see it on message boards all over the country, we'll get to week one and then somebody will say, well, if we don't play better than this, then an SEC team is going to kill us. If we don't play better than this, we're going to lose the egg ball. Let's just enjoy week to week, right? Let's don't, we're not playing the Egg Bowl until November. We're not playing an SEC game for a few weeks. So let's go out here and beat southeastern Louisiana. We'll enjoy being together at a very hot crowd, even though it looks like the forecast is improving. It's like maybe in the 80s. Still, still going to be a steamer, but maybe not be stifling. Let's all be together and, uh, you know, break this thing in. Got many students going to be going to game for the first time uh, as a student at Mississippi State. And uh, I love those students. Of course, I have a member of my family among their number. But I love the students. And I love the energy and atmosphere they bring. And, uh, again, please go to Yale practice because uh, when we do the uh, we do the fight song, we've got to make sure we're all in unison. For years and years and years, the students messed that up. And uh, they've done a good job. The famous Maroon Band's done a good job kind of working to, to, to correct that. It's been better as of late. But uh, reminder, too, uh, Bailey Howell Drive is now one lane. Let that sink in for a second. And many of you are thinking, okay, Steve, where is Bailey Howell Drive? Bailey Howell is what passes in front of the Mize Pavilion that it's attached to Humphrey Coliseum. Many of you will use that thoroughfare to get to the parking garage or get to your parking space. It is not two lanes anymore. It is one. You need to be aware of that and prepare accordingly. In addition to that, there is some construction on campus. So your normal thoroughfares may not be accessible. They've done a lot of cleanup here in the last week or so. 
but it's understand you're going to have some delays. So plan ahead. It's a 3 p.m. kick. And it's a season opener. It's not like we're playing an FCS team in week 12, right? So you're not going to have people that say, ah, I think I'm done. Now, it, there are going to be a lot of people there. So plan accordingly uh, to come be a part of every bit of that. It's important to understand that. Bailey Howell Drive down to one lane. There's a lot of construction that's been going on around Humphrey Coliseum. Not quite complete yet. So please bear with us as we work out these kinks. Wives, I'm being your friend here because you know how he gets. You know how he gets. He'll be the last one ready. He'll want to speed up the highway. Be impatient when we get here. I'm just telling love him. Love him. Get him on out of there early. Help him pack the car tonight for whatever. I'm being your friend here, saving you a lot of time, effort, and grief. Because it's going to be different. It's going to be different. Understand that. And if we get into next week, we'll, we'll get a release from the university. We'll kind of go over some things that maybe you need to know. Uh, reminder, as always, you know, um, bring your cowbells. Make sure you've got a, um, you know, the, uh, the see-through purse type deal. You know, you got to have those. You know, that, that's going to move things along. And uh, let's not try to uh, wait until 10 minutes before kickoff to go crowd the entrance lanes. You know, those people are doing a good job for us. Many of them are just uh, local residents that are just here to help the university and make a little money. Uh, they're, not, they're not there to impede your progress. So let's work with them a little bit, get in line a little bit earlier, because, again, we're expecting a big crowd even though it is an FCS game. It's not going to be like it will be against Alabama or LSU or anything like that. But it's the first week, so there will be some issues. There always are. You know, it's been a long time since we've had to uh, facilitate entrance into a football game. It's been a while. So let's all work together here and make sure it's a good experience. All right, time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R. Blair is your friend in the mortgage business. And here's the thing, too. When you got issues, you got issues, right? You don't get to pick and choose, right? Sometimes things happen in life. Maybe you need to get some cash out. Maybe you just need to buy a home. Maybe you're moving, you're relocating. And maybe you're going to be moving away from your neighborhood bank. That's the thing about Blair. Blair can get it done just about anywhere. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. And uh, maybe, if, again, ask about the whole 18-year-old uh, co-signer deal, too. Like, if you, you've got a young person, maybe they're getting married right out of high school. Maybe they're going to college. I don't know your situation. But maybe rather than see them throw their money away at renting, you want to help them maybe establish some adult credit and also maybe build some equity, right? Blair can help you navigate through every bit of that. It's now legal in the state of Mississippi. 22 years of experience, top 1% close ratio, back-to-back-to-back years. That's Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. Hey, everybody. It's Dana. I know you haven't heard from me on here before, but I wanted to uh, chip in and give my opinion on this week's top 10 list. It's a band that Steve is not overly crazy about, but I really like them. So he told me, sure, you go ahead and do that. <laughs> so y'all bear with me since I'm not used to uh, speaking on this microphone. But anyway, let's get right into it. 
Uh, one track, uh, I'm talking about Theory of a Dead Man. You may or may not be familiar with them. Uh, they're actually a Canadian group uh, formed back in 1999. Um, they're actually now on Chad Kroger's record label, Chad Kroger from Nickelback. They were the first act on his record label. So I thought that was kind of interesting about them. Um, the first song that I'm going to include, this is actually not on the top 10. I came across this song after I'd made my top 10 and really liked it, uh, thought that it should be included. And the reason why is because, come to find out, this song is where they got their name, Theory of a Dead Man, because I thought, you know, that's an interesting name, didn't really know where it came from. Uh, it comes from a song that was renamed as The Last Song, and the reason that I really wanted to include it, it's a really good song, but I know that Steve has been talking recently um, about the suicide hotline and uh, the importance of mental health and uh, that sort of thing, and that's actually what that song is referring to. The Last Song is from the point of view of a man that's uh, contemplating suicide, so uh, that and the fact that that's where they got their name, Theory of a Dead Man, which was originally the name of that song uh, before they changed it to the last song. So that's going to be our, um, I guess you could say, our honorable mention, uh, number 11. So uh, getting into the top 10, I'm, I'm going to start with a song called Wait For Me. Um, this is one of the older ones, and I had really forgotten about it until I started uh, researching my top 10 list, but when I re-listened to it, oh, it just got to me. I started, I started listening to it. Uh, as you know, I'm a travel nurse. I'm working in Knoxville right now, and this is, uh, by the grace of God, going to be my last contract, and I cannot wait to be back in Starville, most importantly with Steve, but also with my Bulldog family, being back where I'm supposed to be. Uh, but listening to this song, I thought, oh my gosh, that's so much mine and Steve's story right now, you know, and it's just basically talking about how I'm not alone as long as you wait for me, you know, and I know that he's doing that for me. So that's a special song. I really like it. Um, number nine is actually a song called So Happy. Now, I have to preface this <laughs> by saying that Theory of a Dead Man has gotten a lot of bad rap over the years, um, mainly because of their misogynistic uh, songs. And I have to admit, they some of them really are. Uh, some of them are degrading to women. Uh, that's not appealing. But some of the songs are just funny, you know, and they uh, a lot of songs are kind of tongue-in-cheek and um, this is one of those songs, and um, the song is just basically saying, I'm so happy that you went away, you know, and he's, he's talking about his girl that he just broke up with, so that's just sort of a funny song, um, and leading into that, <laughs> leading into the next song, is sort of the same idea, it's another one of their uh, songs that they sort of got in trouble about, because it is pretty degrading but it's and I'm not going to say the full name of the song because I know there's little ones that listen and don't want to corrupt any young ears but it's the B came back and you you'll you'll know what that B B means but anyway it's the same idea it's just <clears throat> basically him talking uh, sort of in a derogatory way about a girlfriend and the the reason that it's funny to me I guess I don't get offended very easily. I hope you don't either. But uh, 
one of the funniest lines in the song. He he's talking so bad about this girl, and then he said she's so freaking stupid that she's singing along, and it just cracks me up every time I hear that. You know, because it's just a funny line. I think it's cute. Um, moving on, uh, number seven is a song called Low Life. Um, this song, I really think, to me, makes me think more of southern rock type of, it's, it's basically uh, white trash is basically what he's talking about. You know, I'm, lo I'm a low life, you know, uh, beer stained t-shirt. Uh, he even references Joe Dirt, which... Uh, I don't know about y'all, but that's one of my favorite movies. It's just funny. So it's basically that sort of song. So I really like that. It's catchy. It's got a catchy little tune to it. Um, so I like that one. Um, now, the remainder of the songs are a little more serious. Uh, like I said, some of their songs are really tongue-in-cheek, but the rest of the songs, not so much. Um, number six is a song called Not Meant to Be. And that's just a really sad song. He, for some reason, they do a lot of breakup songs, and that's one of them. Uh, and it's just basically, you know, a, a relationship that he really wanted to work, and it just didn't. You know, so he's saying, I guess we're just not meant to be. So that's it's a good song. Um, and in that same token is uh, number five, by the way. Uh, it's another breakup song. His girl's leaving, and he says, you know, by the way, you left without saying goodbye. It, it's, it's, a, it's another kind of sad song, but it's, it's really good. All these songs are real easy to sing along to. That's one reason that I like them. Um, number four is called RX, which, as you know, is the symbol for prescription. And that's basically what he's talking about is... Uh, He's a drug addict, you can tell in the song, you know, talking about, I just want to numb out, um, don't have anything to do today, so I guess I'll just sit around and medicate, you know, so that, it's, it's a strong song, and um, a really good one. Um, number three is a song called Santa Monica. I like that one a lot, but I, I really included it because it's one of Steve's favorites. He, like I said, doesn't really like this band, but that one, he said, oh, I've always liked that song. It is. It's really good. It's just got a cool vibe to it, uh, sort of laid back, um, just a nice song. Um, oh, and I meant to say about the RX song, one thing that I think that's kind of funny about that song, it just makes me laugh a little bit in the beginning of the song there he's whistling and it just reminds me of one of those old country westerns you know it just sounds like the uh that whistling that goes along with that so that was number four and then number three santa monica now as we come to number two and number one i was really back and forth between these two which one i wanted to include as number one um it was hard to decide but I decided on number two uh, as being all or all or, no, or or nothing. Sorry, it's all or nothing. Uh, the reason I was having such a hard time deciding is that song is to a T describing Steve and me. You know, especially when we first met. Uh, the lyrics are just you know, amazing. It just talks about, I saw you across the room, didn't know what to say. You know, that first, it talks about that first kiss. We never wanted to say goodbye. You know, the whole song is just us, you know, because we didn't. After our first date, I don't think we were apart for about the next 
three months at least, <laughs> you know, never left each other's side. So uh, that one just really gets to me as far as being, it, it's almost, you know, could have been written about Stephen and me. So I really like that one, All or Nothing. Now, number one has to be Bad Girlfriend. And <laughs> I, I couldn't decide between that one or All or Nothing, but Bad Girlfriend just rocks out. It's just a great, great rock anthem, you know, and it, it's, it's another one that they sort of got in trouble about because it is very misogynistic, you know, but it, it, it's another one that really makes me laugh because she is such a bad girlfriend, <laughs> you know, listening to the song, just the lyrics are just, are just funny, but the main reason I like it is just, it just rocks out, and it's so fun to turn it up loud in the car, so y'all go pick up that Spotify playlist and listen to these, and uh, I really think you'll enjoy it. When you get to Bad Girlfriend, you got to rock it out because it's killer. Uh, I appreciate y'all letting me take this chance to get on here and talk to you. I want to be more involved in Jean's page. I plan to be. I'm going to be taking a lot more pictures at the football games, baseball. You'll see me around. And uh, once we get our True Rest float spot open, we definitely want to see you in there. So thanks for having me. Bye. All right. Well, there you go. Our very first ever live listen-in of a guest speaker. You probably figured out when I got ready to announce who it would be, but uh, yeah, she's home for a few days, and then uh, I guess we got about a month left of this uh, part-time arrangement, but uh, she also wanted to let me know, wanted me to let you know, she did leave out one uh, item of interest. In the great song, by the way, the backing vocals on that incredible harmony, that chorus, are sung by our friend Chris Daughtry. And now I didn't know that before, and now I can't unhear it. So there you go, theory of a dead man. And uh, don't tell her I told you this, but um, one day I was driving her vehicle, and I was so tired of her wearing that Scars and Souvenirs album out, I threw it out the window. I did. It's a true story. But there you go, top ten list. It's always by Closed Blair. Dot com. All right, second half of the show, man, brought to you by our friends at Campus Bookmart. Love Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. They do such a great job, man. You go in there and uh, you can pick out the latest and greatest in Mississippi State merchandise. Go by and see their smiling faces. Whether you're outfitting your home, your wardrobe, your office, your RV, your pet, whatever, they can get you anything out there that's officially licensed through Mississippi State. That's one of the things that I'm a big proponent of. Buy the real deal, right? Buy the real stuff where the university is going to benefit from it, but also, too, you just get a better brand of merchandise. If you can't make it to town, go see them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet at campusbookmart.net. By being a loyal bond, yard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's take a little time to talk about the Golden Eagles, Southern Miss. You know, I grew up, of course, I'm a child of the 70s, grew up in the 80s, the uh, rocking 80s. And uh, Southern Miss, man, they were, they, were, they were a burr in the saddle, man, for Bulldogs and the Rebels. They really were. And uh, we really de-emphasized them when we went to two divisions in the Southeastern Conference. And, of course, uh, you, know, you picked up that eighth conference game, so you didn't, uh, you didn't play that extra non-conference. And so, as a result, Southern Miss went off schedule, even though we have played them 
considerably more than Ole Miss has. We're not scared of them, right? We're not. We're not scared. Matter of fact, Southern Miss fans owe a debt of gratitude to Mississippi State. You truly do. Not only are we willing to play, we're willing to go play at your place. I mean, you had the whole, uh, you know, anybody, anywhere, anytime type thing, and that was cute. But uh, bottom line is that, you know, State should always win the game. We should have won it in the 80s too. But uh, the Southern Miss recruiting efforts back in the 80s, uh, thanks in large part to Bobby Collins, were robust, shall we say. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember riding down Hardy Street. You know, it was a big, big deal for us being from Columbia that uh, we'd go over to Hattiesburg to eat dinner. That was big. You go over there, you eat dinner, you go to the Cloverleaf Mall and, you know, pick up a cassette. It was a good time. That's what we did. It was like a big family outing for us. And I remember riding down the street, and this is after Bobby Collins had gotten Southern Miss in trouble again, and it said, Probation, a Southern tradition. It was a bumper sticker we saw in a car. And I don't know who had that idea, but it's brilliant. Brilliant, I tell you. All right, Southern Miss... Kind of a, uh, a, a team in many respects without a home, right? So growing up, they were in the Metro Conference and uh, a very competitive team within that conference. And then the Metro Conference began to uh, splinter and Southern Miss didn't get picked up. And then they became part of Conference USA and then Conference USA began to splinter and Southern Miss didn't get picked up. So now they're headed to the Sun Belt. I think that is a good fit for them. I think geographically, but also, too, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, they're going to play in venues that are much closer to home, but also, too, in front of players that are capable of playing in Hattiesburg. But Southern Miss, interesting, man. And uh, I like Will Hall a lot. I, I do. And people are like, oh, but Steve, he's Bobby Hall's son. I, I don't I like Bobby okay, too. You know, but I like Will even better than his dad. And don't tell Bobby I said that. But uh, – I like Will Hall, man. I do, and I think Will is one of these guys, too, that um, is on his way to something more significant. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way of Southern Miss. I think Will Hall will be a Power 5 football coach at some point. I, I do. And I think one of the things that, uh, that was intriguing to me about the hire is I thought Will Hall would go back to doing what Jeff Bauer did. Right? You recruit the in-state kids first. And you go get those guys with state and Ole Miss interests and sometimes offers and maybe maybe the schools pass on, and you take those kids. People forget. Remember Fletcher, right, from Biloxi? Ended up being one of the most prolific running backs in the country at Southern Miss. Incredible. And so Will Hall, I think, is getting their recruiting efforts back to that, focusing on Mississippi first. I think it also will lead uh, to better fan support. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, what people expect it to be, but it's going to be uh, better. It's going to be better. Let's look back at last year. Uh, the Golden Eagles finished 7-6. and six. They lose game one to Liberty, 29-27, in four overtimes. You know, it was a big game for Hugh Freeze. He's a Southern Miss alum. Maybe you didn't know that. Then they dropped the game at Miami, 30-7. So it's an 0-2 start, so you're already having to fight out of the hole before you even get into, uh, you know, into conference play. But um, they take care of Northwestern State, our friends, uh, the, the Devils, 64-10. to Huge win for them. They go down to Tulane and beat them in New Orleans 27-24. A bigger win in hindsight than maybe it was at the time because people forget Tulane beat USC in the bowl game. That's right. 
They go to Troy and lose 27 to 10. They nip Arkansas State 20 to 19 at M.M. Roberts. You know, M.M. Roberts is a Mississippi State alum. Did you know that? It's true. And if you read Alpha Dogs, you can read that he wrote a letter to the IHL College Board kind of opposing us uh, playing the game of change. Yeah, there were some people when I got ready to publish that letter, I said, Steve, this is probably not a good thing. You know, the, the cancel culture we have these days, they may try to take his name off the stadium. Well, it wasn't that significant, you know, and nor should it have been. But 20-19 uh, win over the Red Wolves. Uh, Texas State, nice win for Southern. They go to San Marcos and win 20-14. to Anytime you go on a road win, it's big. They take care of UL Lafayette to 39-24 Thursday night game in Hattiesburg. Many of you probably watched that. They bounce back the next week and drop a game, even with that long week, against Georgia State and lose 42-14. They go on the road to Conway, South Carolina, and lose to Coastal 26-23. Coastal, obviously a team of the G5 variety that is very, very robust. That, that's not a team that you want to play in the non-conference schedule. It's not. They're, they're, they can get you. And then they lose to South Alabama 27-20. Bounce back to take care of Louisiana Monroe in the regular season finale, 20-10 to earn bowl eligibility. They go take on Rice in the Lending Tree Bowl and, uh, and win a ball game down there. So a winning record, but a team at times that did some really good things and at times just kind of didn't show up. But you look back in hindsight, you think about that overtime loss to Liberty, and you look at, uh, you know, that, that game at Coastal, you lose that game by a field goal, and you lose South Alabama by a touchdown. Guys, that's three games right there that they lost There was a score under. And so while you look at that record, you know, this team is probably a couple ways of being a much better bowl team. But uh, congratulations to the Golden Eagles on a winning season. Uh, my wife that you heard earlier graduated from Southern Miss. My mom graduated from Southern Miss. In fact, my mom and wife graduated on the same day. Yeah, my mom went back to school after her kids were out of school and got a degree. My grandmother, a, grad, a graduate of Southern Miss. So uh, it kind of helps being just 30 minutes down the road. But, um, you know, I got three generations of Golden Eagles in this family. None of my kids went to Southern Miss, though. So the streak ends. The streak ends. Yeah. So what should we expect this year, uh, you know, with Sunbelt? You're kind of looking here at, um, you know, some predictions here. You know, there's a handful of them out there already, as you guys know. There's so much to talk about in the summer. But in that division, in that Western division, uh, Southern Miss has a chance to make some noise here. Uh, Running through this, seventh, predicted seventh, Louisiana Monroe, Texas State six, Arkansas State five. That's Butch Jones. Butch probably on the hot seat. UL Lafayette four with brand-new coach Michael DeZorme. Southern Miss picked third. They were three and nine and twenty-one, seven and six last year. I think they take another jump this year. You know, going to ride Frank Gore for sure. Troy, who uh, finished in the top twenty-five last year, picked second behind South Alabama. That's in the West. That's Kane Womack's team. You know, that uh, former Ole Miss assistant coach. But um, so South Alabama expected to win the West. You look on the eastern side of this division. Not going to run the whole thing down. But uh, Coastal obviously expected to win. So. This is a great conference for Southern Miss, as I mentioned, just geographically, but also, too, it's a lot of programs that are similarly situated. You're not going to be in a situation, I think, 
where you're going to be out-resourced week in and week out. I think it's big. I really do. I think this is big for Southern Miss. I think they will be at home here. I think they'll do some good things here. Uh, but you're kind of looking at, uh, you know, kind of what you've got coming back. Um, yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll see. I say that all the time, and it's evident that we'll see because it's all in the future, right? But the um, reality of it is, is that this is a team that took a positive step last year. They have some interesting pieces returning. Uh, you know, Taki is not one of them, uh, unless something has changed that I've missed here. Your know, Taki's one in the portal and then uh, uh, signed with uh, East Mississippi Community College. And uh, I don't know that anybody else picked him up, you know. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's a big get. You know, there was a discussion about going to Syracuse and a few other places. But, uh, you know, I don't understand uh, why Taki's is not more highly coveted. I, I love his game. I know he's a little bit on the small side. But uh, Southern Miss will kind of soldier on without him, you know. And so, again, unless something's changed that I'm unaware of. But um, love the kids' game. So, you know, they'll, they'll figure some things out, you know. Um, yeah, there's Zach Wilkie, I guess, would be an option here. And, uh, you know, I haven't kept up with their practices. And we'll obviously know a lot more about them before we play them. Uh, but the portal kind of hit him hard. You know, Jason Brownlee is a guy from West Point. A lot of people thought we should have taken – his foot speed was a bit of an issue, but you can't argue against his college production. But that, that's some big shoes to fill right there, for sure. For sure. Frank Gore Jr. is the guy, undersized guy at 5'8", but uh, doesn't play small. And this is a guy that's, that's going to have an opportunity to do some big things. And uh, you know, Dre Clark from Starkville down there, by way of Memphis, like him. Probably okay with us not taking him. But uh, in that league, I think those kids can be stars. Uh, that's a very valid and very strong tandem when you start thinking about Gore and Drake together. Defensively, there were times last year where Southern Miss looked a little bit lost. They'll get that figured out, right? Uh, Avari Habas is back, back at the uh, jack position. It's a guy they like to use. Uh, but that linebacker room – some pretty significant losses. You had some guys in the secondary last year you felt pretty good about. Remember Jay Stanley from Ole Miss? Or LSU, excuse me. Uh, or maybe he was from LSU. I, I forget. Yeah, he was at Ole Miss. But uh, anyway, this is a team last year that really struggled to stop the pass. And so I still think this is a team that's capable of making some racket. Are they a bowl-eligible team at the end of the year? I think probably so. I think the strength of that running game is going to carry them, but they can't afford to get into shootouts. And I think defensively they're a team, you know, they've got to get better. I don't think there's any question about that. They have to get better. They want to get to where they want to go. They do. And uh, there were some times last year against some very competitive games, but against the upper half of this league, uh, they struggled. They did. You know, so we'll, we'll kind of see how things progress. But, you know, you, you start working through this, like Georgia State absolutely destroyed them. You know, but uh, by and large, they were a team that uh, remained pretty competitive but struggled at times to get stops late in ball games to give that offense the football back. So uh, is it a transition year or is it a step forward year? I think it's probably a step forward year. I do. Let's take a look at the schedule for this year. It's always interesting you know, to see how these G5 teams go out and, uh, and put some things together, right? 
the Southern Miss thing would, would state, though, I don't know why we continue to go down there. And, and, and all due respect to Southern Miss, I just don't like the way the administration handles the ticketing for you guys. All this stuff, you got to buy season tickets, that kind of stuff. You know, I don't, you know, just sell the tickets. All right, they open up against Alcorn State at home. That should be a W. And then they travel to Florida State. That's a loss. They get Tulane at their place. That's probably a toss-up game. But I tell you what, after last year, they're not going to sleep through that. Tulane's going to show up ready to go. Uh, I think there's a, a good chance Tulane wins a game. Of course, we'll you know we'll talk about that as we get closer. But uh, let's go one and two through the first three. Arkansas State and Jonesboro. That should be a game they win, which would make them uh, two and two. They'll beat Texas State three and two. Old Dominion. I don't know what to say here. Right? I don't know. It's at home. We'll give the toss up to them. Make some four and two. Got to go to South Alabama. The team is expected to win the league. That's a loss. We'll go four and three. Appalachian State. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt here to the home team. Make some four and four. You got Louisiana Monroe and Hattiesburg, a team that's picked last in the West in the Sun Belt. That's a dub. Make some five and four. You got travel to Louisiana, a team that you hammered pretty good last year. On the road. We're going loss. So I got Southern Miss showing up at Mississippi State five and five and taking a loss, which makes them five and six, which will have them, in my estimation, needing to beat Troy to get bowl eligible. He said, but Steve, you expect them to take a step forward. I think they can be a better team and have the same record as last year. Now, you get Tulane at your place and you get Troy at your place, all of a sudden you're a seven and five team. But I think Will Hall is a guy too. I think he, he's. I still think he's probably a year or two away. And I think the fact that you got to make quarterback change and you lose so much uh, at the receiver position and that defense is, uh, you know, kind of up and down, as we saw. I think they're a bowl team. How good a bowl team remains to be seen. But uh, they're going to have to get it done on the road. And again, if you if you take care of Tulane. It changes the complexity of your season pretty early because I think again I think the month of September. Uh, really kind of starting with um, that season opener. I think, you know, they, they play five consecutive weeks. They could conceivably be four and one after the month of September. It just gets exponentially more difficult after that because you got to play the top half of your league, and many of those games are going to be on the road. But if you get Tulane, you got a chance to be four and one through the month of September, which would be great for fan support. And, uh, again, Old Dominion, I don't know what to expect from those guys. You know, like – you can run the numbers here, but this is a league, too, where there, there is a lot of parity. But when you start thinking about you get in the month of October, Old Dominion's coming in there, and then you've got to go to South Al, to App State. October could be tough. You get a bye week in there, too, but uh, it could be it could be difficult. Yeah, that that's the month in many respects, I think, defines the season because I, I, I think that November will likely go to script, right? Uh, so let's pick them six and six. And uh, I've read some people that say they think Southern Miss can win the Sun Belt. I, I think that's going to be asking a lot. But you never know with a new-look system and a new-look quarterback. And you know that Will Hall will do a great job getting these guys motivated to play. They'll have this chip on their shoulder. It's like, hey, these guys didn't recruit you, and you're a kid that's from Mississippi. Uh, they're going to come in here loaded for bear. I just, you know, you never know what the health of each team is going to look like by the time they get here. But this is a team, obviously, that uh, – We'll have a burr in the saddle to play the Bulldogs. And so we're going to have to go out there and, and, and give our best effort. But uh, the reality of it is, is we ought to be able to handle these guys. Now, we have played Southern Miss five times. 
five times since 1989, and we've won all five of those. You know, of course, for a stretch there, you know, in, in the 80s, uh, from 77 to 83, Southern Miss beat us every year. Yeah, let that sink in for a second. 77, 80, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83. We played two rivalry games, and we lost every single one of them to Southern Miss for that stretch there. You know, it's seven straight years. And we beat them in 84 and 85, and then they get us 86, 87, 88. And now since then, five straight wins for the Bulldogs. A lot has changed since uh, 1992. And I was at the 89 game. Uh, Joe Logan, our hero that night, we missed an extra point and had to kick a game-winning field goal. Uh, incredible, incredible ex- environment after that. And then in 1990, I was here for that game too. We played that game on campus here in Starkville. And that was the first time we had played in Starkville since 1980. We won that ball game too, 13 to 10. Uh, a masterpiece of gridiron exhibition, it was not. Then we didn't play again until 2014, of course. That's, uh, you know, Dak's junior year. We hammer on 49 or nothing. And, man, was it hot. 2015, we went to Hattiesburg, beat those guys 34-16. You remember that very first drive, we go right down the field like a knife to butter. Ashton Shumpert fumbles into the end zone. And it got kind of weird for a while. And then we kind of exerted our strength there. And then 2019 – now, the last time we played them, 38-15, and, and, you know, it just one of those games you just felt like the, the difference in the strength programs was going to be the difference. Again, you don't know what these two teams are going to look like by the time we get together, but based on expectations, based on returning roster, based on continuity in many respects when it comes to personnel, it really favors Mississippi State. It really, really does. And so it's interesting, too, you look back at this series all the time, people are surprised. I mean, State's only, you know, one game up, 15-14-1. Well, we had a couple of games we had to forfeit as part of the Larry Gillard uh, era there. But, yeah, so their mess gave us some trouble in the 80s. They did. And they said we quit playing them because we were scared to play them. And maybe we were. But the reality of it is, is the SEC steps in, and that's the game that we, we removed. And uh, what's interesting, too, you know, everybody talks about us playing. I remember uh, even Ross Bjork, some other people had said, you know, we'll, we'll play who we want to play when we want to play them. Uh, Ole Miss has actually dominated the series uh, for the most part against Southern Miss. Played 24 times with uh, Ole Miss winning 18 of uh, 24. But what is interesting, the last five games, four of those five went the way of Southern Miss. So it wasn't just Southern Miss kind of being a fly in the ointment for Mississippi State. They were for Ole Miss, too. They win 79 and 80, 83 and 84. Uh, the Rebels win in 82. But it was a different day and time. So a lot of the people, this younger generation, kind of look at these other Miss games and think, oh, this is just like, you know, Memphis or UAB or, or Louisiana Lafayette. We should just roll over them. Well, the Southern Miss program has changed a lot in, uh, in my lifetime. And so, yes, the expectations to win these games, but there was a time – you know, that's what you, you sweated them out. It was just like, in many respects, playing another Southeastern Conference game. That's how it felt. And so I don't know that it ever gets back to that. I think that the, the gap between State and Ole Miss and Southern Miss is just too much to overcome. Yeah, you know, because we've had the benefit now of 30 years of uh, bonus SEC revenue that gets bigger and bigger every single year. And Southern Miss is out here trying to find a conference home, trying to find a good place for themselves. So in really many ways, Southern Miss is 
really been relegated to, you know, in many respects, kind of a lower G5 program because of the fact that State and Ole Miss no longer play them. But we do, and we've got them on a schedule a couple more times in the next decade. So we'll see how things uh, progress with every bit of that. But uh, I just don't like going down there. And it's not that I'm afraid to lose the game. I expect to win against Southern Miss, but it's just it's not a good experience for our fans. Yeah, most games people don't go. But we go, and there's all this vitriol on the campus, you know, like, well, it's supposed to be the big three. Well, it's not. And so they get so bent out of shape about it. But uh, but the reality of it is we do play them. We're not scared to play them. And we have uh, made a habit of beating them as of late. I, again, expect us to beat them again this year. But I thought you guys would enjoy a little bit of a history lesson uh, as it came to all that. All right, uh, since we have gotten together here and gotten going, uh, Mississippi State Baseball has picked up a, a commitment for the 2024 class. You know, we've had some attrition there. And uh, one of the things I, you read people like, oh, these guys are decommitting. Uh, guys, some of that is on us. And some of these are guys that are never going to come to school. And it's important to kind of understand that. So that's not to say we're happy about it, right? I mean, you like you never know, right? I mean, you have a guy that maybe over the course of his senior season his parents are like you know what i think maybe maybe we need to go to college but um and you can't sign them if they don't commit to you right but uh jack gleason a 2024 grad from germantown tennessee also had offers from tennessee and sanford among others uh really good player uh, has done just about everything and i will talk to him shortly and uh, we'll have that article up over on jeanspage.com but this is a guy that's played all over He's played every infield position other than catcher and pitcher. Excuse me, catcher and first base. He is a right-handed pitcher that is a 6'1", right at 170 pounds. He's already 18 years of age. Uh, hails out of Briarcrest Christian High School. And so eager to kind of see what he looks like and uh, what the difference was. But again, Justin Parker kind of doing some work here. Germantown, Tennessee has been good to Mississippi State over the years, as you guys are well aware. We uh, – like to go out there and recruit in that area. But the uh, reality of it is, is uh, another Bulldog, another Diamond Dog has uh, joined the program. And uh, he'll have a senior year this year, and then we'll join our program next summer. And when you start beginning to look ahead here, there's so much of that, that uh, there's so much information out there these days about baseball recruiting. There's so much of that. It's one of those things that I don't think people fully appreciate. There, there's just a ton a ton of these players that uh, they go to the showcases. And uh, the thing that I've learned, too, is you even though it's perfect game, right, and you have to take all this with a grain of salt, um, my son Ani went to the perfect game showcase and went up there and he's a little bit banged up and uh, had a decent showing, not his best. But the only kids that get ranked by perfect game are the ones that you attend their events. Now, P.J. Morlando is the number one player in this class. He was committed to Mississippi State, now committed to South Carolina. And everybody kind of panicked. Guys, he is never coming to school. This kid's going to be a multimillionaire and will likely be the first high school player taken in next year's draft. Connor Griffin from Jackson Prep, a guy that, uh, you know, we were all excited about. We knew it was us in OSU, commits to LSU. The chances of him ever playing a college baseball game, pretty slim. So it's like you can't lose what you never had. And more importantly, if you do lose him, you're not losing him to a college team. You're losing him 
to the pro draft. And that's important to kind of understand too, you know. Um, you know, we'll see how things progress with these guys, but uh, there's a lot to it for sure. A, a lot to it. As we sit here today, and uh, Gleason hasn't been added to the rankings, but Mississippi State currently for the 2024 class ranked 20th uh, by perfect game. And, of course, many of the teams, I would venture to say every team ahead of Mississippi State in the rankings have many more commitments. And so that's something to factor into this thing too. You know, you, you get ranked on points. The more commitments you have, the more points you have. And, of course, uh, you know, the better players you want to get in the top 100. Uh, as it stands right now, State has three – we have ten commitments, not counting Gleason, and three of those ten are in the top uh, top ten in the country, top 100 in the country. That includes uh, Dante Nori, Conrad Kaysen, and Henry Allen. And so those are big-time players. And so we'll kind of see how things uh, continue to go here. But, uh, again, a lot of room left to work for Mississippi State. A lot of things left to happen. As uh, the lawnmower gets cranked up around here, that's what she does. Like she finishes up a top ten list, and I got to put her to work, right? Got to help her, have her help carry the weight of this show, and then do some of the yard work around here. That's how, man. It, hey, it's part of the gig. Uh, also of note, too, I wrote an article earlier today. Four of Mississippi State's uh, transfers—they're all on campus now. Four of the top 100 transfers in the country, uh, according to Baseball America, are headed to Starkville. And you'd say, well, how does that relate to the rest of the SEC? Well, you got to look at it in perspective. Number one, we didn't take as many transfers as some other teams, uh, namely like Ole Miss and LSU. But we have four. Uh, Ole Miss, LSU had six of the top 100. And that's the thing, too. I did the math on this. I think it's what, 50, 56 of the top 100 transfers headed to the Southeastern Conference. And so, you know, the, the job never gets any easier, right? That, that's just the reality of life. It never gets any easier, and it's one of those things you have to remember as you kind of move forward. You know, we are in at war every single day in every sport on a recruiting trail because if you're not getting better, you're falling behind. You can't just go out there and recruit the status quo, and it's one of the things that I have said many times before. In order to catch the Alabamas and LSUs of the world on the playing field, you got to catch them on the recruiting trail first. Doesn't matter how good a coach you are, if you don't have people that have top shelf potential, you're going to coach them up and coach them up and coach them up, and they're still not going to be good enough. Uh, but yeah, it's good news considering you know we we had what four junior college players and five transfers, so nearly half of the transfers are considered top hundred prospects for the transfer class. The name that nobody really talks about outside of maybe the Jeans Page baseball crowd is Cam Schulke. Cam Schulke is a dude. Cam Schulke is a guy, is a three-arm slot guy, got cut at the Cape, got re-signed, came back, and led the Cape in strikeouts despite the fact that he had kind of limited appearances. That's a guy, we talk about what we need. That's a guy that can kind of bridge the gap. Now, my big question kind of headed into fall balls is who's going, who's going to be the closer? You know, Nate Williams is a guy that was uh, the number one junior college closer in the country, showed up on campus, injured, didn't get to do anything last year, is starting to throw again, and the fall is going to be big for him. we got to get him throwing strikes. We have to get him throwing strikes. But when I start thinking about starting pitching, which has kind of been a burr in our saddle too, I think I've said that three times on the show, but starting pitching has been an issue. But you go out and you get Kel Steven, you go out and you get uh, Carson Ligon, that's two Power 5 weekend guys, 
that's an upgrading your talent. Now it's up to Justin Parker to get those guys up to elite SEC pitching. And I remind everybody, South Carolina last year was second in the conference in ERA. Second, only behind Florida. Let that sink in for a second. You know, Florida, Coach Kevin O'Sullivan, considered one of the, the, the top coaches in the country when it comes to pitching. And in South Carolina, who didn't have near the talent that Florida did, still managed to be second in the conference in earned run average. You look at what he did, you know, with Will Sanders. You know, you look at what he did with Chris Veach. You know, there are some intriguing pieces here. And uh, I want to share, too, you know, the talking to some people with pro baseball. They, they think Colby Holcomb is a guy that is going to take a big jump for us this year. Uh, for one reason or another, you know, he and Scott Foxhall just, you know, hey, once we got together, it just wasn't, it wasn't what we wanted. And uh, one of the things that I've heard from talking to some people, and again, this is not in any way to be critical of Scott Foxhall, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, we kind of limited guys to two pitches more times than not. We'd like a three-pitch mix, but th- there were times that, you know, you know, Nate Dome has a great curveball that he didn't, didn't get called very often. You know, we throw fastball, we throw the slider, but sometimes the swing and miss for him was a curveball. And we didn't employ that enough. Colby Holcomb has got a really good change. You see a guy that big and that physical that can throw as hard as he does, it makes that change more effective. And we didn't throw it enough last year. And I think that's one thing that you're going to see with Justin Parker is he's going to take your existing pitchers and kind of round those guys into form. Continue to hear some great things about Brooks Auger and Stone Simmons. And, you know, Stone could end up being the closer. You know, that's a veteran guy. And uh, I'll tell you this, even though Stone didn't throw much last year, that's a big kid. And I've had so many people around the baseball program that have said Stone Simmons is back. He's back. And he's had a year to kind of watch all this. And people forget, man, it's been uh, forever and a day since he's pitched. I mean, it was a very, very extensive surgery. So I'm eager to get out there this fall and see some of these inter-squad scrimmages. Remind you, too, State is going to be on the road uh, the 14th of October against Louisiana Tech. And then the 21st, we'll be at home against UAB. And, uh, of course, it's free to get into those games. We encourage you to come out and support the team, kind of get your first look at the Bulldogs. It's one of those things, too, is like you start thinking about all this stuff. It's like we have to navigate through the pitching coach search. We have to navigate through the draft. Uh, get our guys back. We had to deal with Dakota Jordan. And you know, then it's like, okay, then we got to get – talk these guys out of signing free agent deals. We had a couple of guys do that. You know, the one that really hurts is Aaron Nixon. You get them in class, and the next thing you know, we start practice. Guys, it's still just under six months away before we play a real baseball game. And uh, that's one of the reasons we hadn't talked a lot about baseball on the show here recently is because of the fact that uh, we're gearing into football. And next week – it's going to be football only every day. We'll do football, we'll do top ten, and then after I talk to Chris Lamontis here in another week or so, kind of get an update from him on what he's seen from guys and kind of where we stand and uh, where we think this thing is headed. You know, and uh, I've, I'm a, an eternal optimist in many respects, but I feel like you guys do. I mean, you got to show me, right? I mean, that's like, listen, I'm a defender of the M over S. And I am a principles before personalities person, right? I'm, listen, I'm a Mississippi State guy, period. I expect us to win. I hope that we win. I'm going to be objective about things when we win and objective when we lose. But I expect to win, regardless of who the coach is. That's the expectation here. And there are a lot of people, I think, you know, until they get here, they don't realize how crazy we are about, about baseball, right? 
All right, Chris Jans met with the media earlier this week, and uh, I, I defer a lot to Paul Jones on this. Paul, Paul is a men's basketball guy. Like, you know, I coached basketball. I played basketball. I don't follow it the way that I did when I first got to town. When I first got to town, uh, I went to everything, every press conference, every ball game, and everything. But uh, I would venture to say that men's basketball is probably Paul's favorite sport. And uh, Paul – it's kind of like me when it comes to baseball, you know, kind of it's, it's cautiously optimistic. I don't think there has to be much caution about men's basketball this year. And, uh, you know, Paul will have a chance to go watch some practice and things like that, so be sure to kind of keep up with that. But Jan said, listen, don't, don't read anything into what happened in Portugal. You know, this is just really about getting some guys some minutes together. You know, of course, we, Josh Hubbard had a great trip, uh, but it's important to kind of understand that um, we're going to be a good team in the Southeastern Conference. And I'm eager to see how this thing shakes out and kind of where we're projected. I think most people right now would probably have stayed in the tournament. Again, when you look at what Chris Jans did last year with the roster that he had inherited, and of course he had a say in some of that, they worked the portal. But by and large, it was not his team, but he put his stamp on that team and uh, we were competitive other than, uh, you know, tough night at Tennessee. And I don't think we're a team that people want to play, to be honest with you. I don't think anybody wants to play Mississippi State. And it's been a long time since we've been feared and respected in basketball. There, were, there was a year or two under Ben Howland. We'd put a good stretch together. Of course, the team that made the tournament, you know, with Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard and those guys, uh, you really didn't want to face that, that group either. With Tolu back this year uh, and the pieces we kind of have around him, I think it's going to be a really good year. And I think Josh Hubbard got a chance to be, uh, you know, in contention, you know, for like an all-freshman team, for sure. Is he the freshman of the year? Probably not. But we needed shooters. There is an opportunity for him. And I don't care the level of competition. Uh, you still got to put the ball in the basket. And in Portugal, Josh made a habit of doing that. And that's the thing everybody told me when he came in. He's a volume shooter. You know, he's got a ton of points. But it's because of the fact that uh, he shoots so much. Well, you know, we got great coaches here. And uh, you looked at his numbers and his production in Portugal. And it's obviously a step in the right direction. Yeah, he scored a bunch of points, but he was more efficient in the shooting. Uh, so I'm eager to see kind of what this team looks like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm eager to kind of have a chance to break down the schedule too, you know. Those are the things now that we're in fall, you know, you got fall baseball and you got your basketball workouts on the men's and women's side. The next thing you know it, uh, you're here in a couple months, we'll be gearing up to get ready to go be a part of all that at Humphrey Coliseum. I'm eager, like all of you are, to, uh, to enjoy the atmosphere at Humphrey Coliseum to see that place full again. And the thing, and you know, Paul and I discussed this so many times, you know, I think there was just a lot of disconnect between Ben Howland and our fan base. I think in many respects that the, that the program itself kept you guys kind of at arm's length. I don't get that sense with Chris Jans at all. Uh, I think he's a very down to earth guy. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't need to be friends with our coaches. I just need him to win, right? But I think Chris Jans fits what we want I think Chris Jans fits who we are. I think he has gone out and put together a roster. It's going to be very competitive in the Southeastern Conference. But uh, you can find that press conference in its entirety uh, for free over at jeanspage.com. And uh, if you're a member of our site, you can go to Basketball Forum and and, uh, share your comments about that. But I I just think, you know, talking to John Q. Bulldog or Jane Q. Bulldog, there is just a level of confidence about this basketball program that hadn't existed in a while. And I think, again, Chris Jans really 
arguably the worst roster he'll ever have is the one that he inherited. And I don't necessarily mean that from a talent standpoint, but maybe it just didn't fit his system. And I don't care what kind of system you run. If you don't have perimeter shooters, it's going to be a tough night. It just is. You have to be able to shoot from outside. And that was the thing we said last year, man, if we just had a shooter, just give me one guy that can consistently knock down threes, it'll stretch the floor a little bit and give Tolu some more room to operate. Well, I believe you have that now. And uh, we'll see as it kind of moves forward. But uh, I'm excited. You're excited. Again, it's, I think it's going to be a great athletic year uh, this school year here at Mississippi State. I, I do. I feel really confident uh, about everything. Baseball, I'm on the fence, to be honest with you. I am. Uh, I, I think the pieces are there, and I've got a lot of confidence in Justin Parker. But before we get into all that, we're going to play some football. And I, I, would, I would submit to you today, if I interviewed each and every one of you, I would say, with a rare exception, I would say, what program right now do you have the most confidence in? Is it basketball on the men's side, the women's side, football, baseball, softball, whatever? What program do you have the most confidence in? And despite the fact that we have a first-year head coach, I'd say it'd be football. I would say probably 90% or more Bulldog fans would say, yeah, I really believe in what's happened. You, You want some evidence to support that? It's the fact that we sold all the season tickets. And a reminder, it's going to be a week-to-week deal. We're going to have some single-game tickets that are going to be available, and there are going to be some schools, of course, that don't sell their full allotment. Those tickets will be put on sale through the Mississippi State Ticket Office. And so it's important, again, you look there first. Don't pay too much for a ticket you can buy at face value through Mississippi State. It's a guaranteed ticket. That's important to understand. But we really need you here next Saturday. And I'm going to put this call out all week next week. If you're on the fence about going – Please come. I know it's going to be hot. Go ahead and start hydrate now and get you that Gatorade. Go ahead and get ready. And it's going to be a good time. And we're going to win a ball game, and hopefully we can navigate through that healthily. And we're going to put together a big number, and we're going to run the football. We're going to throw the football. We're going to defend it. Tolu or Xavion, somebody's going to return a big kick. And you're going to feel good about it. Regardless of who we're playing, Mississippi State is playing. That's why I think it's smart to play the FCS game early. I, I mean, I, if I can't play it early, I want to play it the week before the egg, egg Bowl so I can rest some legs. But the reality of it is it should be a well-attended game because it is a season opener. And then, of course, Arizona will be here before you know it. And, and uh, that's a Power 5 team, you know, and Arizona obviously is not going to make this trip probably ever again in our lifetime. So we need you to come out for that. The Bulldogs need you. We need you. Okay, Starkville needs you. Mississippi State needs you. And there are many of you, of course, you don't have the ability to get here. Maybe it's work or finances, whatever. Uh, we need you plugged in. We need everybody pulling in the right direction. But every able-bodied person that has the ability to be here for the home opener against Southeastern, we need you to be here. We don't just want you to be here. We need you. The Starkville merchants need you to come by, buy some merchandise, go by Campus Bookmark, go by Bulldog Burger Company, uh, spend some money while you're in town. You know, Starkville is a great place. But they can't make it just on us that live here year-round. We need you guys uh, during football, basketball, and baseball season to come be a part of that, buy some Mississippi State merch, and uh, stay in the hotels and buy some gas and things like that. You all love Starkville. And I'll tell you this, I didn't know what I was missing until I moved my family up here. I mean, honestly, it's one thing to visit. You know, a lot of places that I've been, I'd like to visit. I wouldn't want to live there. But after living here for a while, I just think to myself, why did we wait so long 
I mean, honest to goodness, why did we wait so long to come up here? I mean, granted, we had a great time in Baton Rouge, and then after Katrina, everything changed. And uh, I, I was just stressed all the time, just trying to navigate through that city. And, and I'd lived there for, you know, for over a decade. And you get up here, and, you know, like I can't remember the last time that when I was in Baton Rouge and somebody held a door open for me. And in Starkville, it happens all the time, but it's contagious. You want to do it too. This is a great place to live, a great place to raise a family. It's not just a great place to visit and go to a ball game. And so let's all work together for the advancement of Starkville. And as Dana mentioned, you know, our True Rest location will be opening here in a few months. And uh, we look forward to sharing more of that with you. I'm confident there will be some delays. I'm already preparing for that. But, uh, you know, she's going to be back, and that's going to be we're going to be full bore into all of that, getting all the decisions made, getting this build out done, and one of the main reasons we wanted to do this is, it's not just hey, okay, well, I want Dana home. She could go back and work at OCH right now. She could go do home health. She could find a job doing something else. We wanted to do something that was super cool for our friends and our Bulldog family here in Starkville, and that's. Uh, you know, opening up his true rest location. And uh, I, I will submit to you that there, you, if you've never done it, you don't know what you're missing. And that's kind of how I felt when I did it the first time because she kept telling me, oh, it's so great, it's so great. I'm thinking, how good could it be, you know? And then I did it, and I felt like a different person. And I thought, you know what, I want my friends and family to feel the same way. I want them to have this experience, so we're going to go ahead and open up a franchise uh, here in Starkville. And, uh, it's, uh, and we're going to announce the location pretty soon, and we'll be plugging out social media and need you to be part of that. But uh, I, I tell you this, not just because of the fact that we're opening a business and I want your support. This is for you, right? Yeah, you'll be supporting me and supporting my family, but you're going to get some benefit from this that you're not going to get anywhere else. And I'm so happy to say that the very first True Rest franchise is going to be right here in Starkville, Mississippi, and the first one in Mississippi. There are several around the country already, but the first one on Mississippi Soul is going to be right here in Starkville. So you always hear about all these other towns, and they're so, they're so trendy, and they're always getting this. And everybody's like, well, how come nothing cool ever comes to Starkville? Well, something cool's coming to Starkville. And you know what else? You know, years down the road, I may do something else and bring something else super cool to Starkville because I'm a Stark villain. I'm not just a Mississippi State guy. I love being here. And uh, I, I want this to be a great place to live for everybody. And it's not just because of our value system. I want people to have say, you know what? I can get what I need to get in Starkville, right? Uh, if you hadn't done so, go to whenthebottomfalls.com and you can pre-order the new book. Uh, be out in a few weeks. We'll have an official release date here in the days ahead. And while you're at whenthebottomfalls.com, you can get uh, all of my sports books there. That's Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, and Dogpile. And uh, Stark Villains gear, I'm always promoting that and uh you guys continue to buy it every month i get a, a list of all the shirts and hoodies that got bought uh, i think it's a cool design i think it's a cool thing you know and being a starkville person uh, being a mississippi state person i think everybody needs some starkville and gear and many of you are thinking well you know christmas is coming up you probably got boneyard listeners in your life that have always thought you know i'd like to have one of those but maybe they haven't pushed themselves to buy a starkville and shirt or a starkville and hoodie buy them one and you never know. We may end up putting, like, I don't know, Starkville and thongs out there. We might. We might. Don't put it past me. Men's and women's thongs. We'll put them out there. Because I'm crazy. I don't care. Nevertheless, listen, it's been a great week. And, uh, man, next time we get together, it's game week. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. Monday, we'll do our uh, Monday show 
we'll probably go ahead and get that knocked out before the Arnett press conference. I'll let you know if I change my mind. We'll probably go ahead and do it that morning, and then uh, we'll meet with Arnett and then have the uh, you know the, the full coverage of that over jeanspage.com. And then we'll uh, you know we'll have some media opportunities that evening, and then Tuesday, and the next thing you know, it's a countdown to game day. I mean, we're almost there. We're almost there, kids. You've almost made it. Hang in here with me. Hold my hand. We're almost there. And we're going to be able to enjoy an intercollegiate college football game at Davis Wade Stadium. You know, so many of my memories, my favorite memories of my, with, my, with my family, with my sons, with my daughters, with my parents, with my dad, my brother, is going to Mississippi State sporting events. You can think about the, the infancy of your own youth, man, and you look back and say, man, I remember being a kid and going to Davis Wade Stadium and watching us beat Alabama or beat LSU. And those, those things make such an impact on us, right? That's why we keep coming back. It's because we always know that Mississippi State is capable of doing something at times that's unexpected and something that's going to be memorable and something that's going to rock the college football world. And I think there's some people this year that are sleeping on us, and I look forward to keeping all these receipts and revisiting that as the year goes along. So let's be sure and come out and support this team in every possible way. That's it for today, man. We'll see you guys on Monday. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.